0: Thanks for listening to the Three Strands Podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit us at threestrands.church. I'm glad you guys are here for fall kickoff. I remember back when we said this wouldn't work. I remember back when Stephanie and I were having this conversation. We were like, man, it's time to give up. I don't think it's going to work in this county. I don't know if people are into what we're into or if they're into this kind of church. And uh, So I'm glad you're here. Uh, right before I came up, I found out this is our biggest church crowd yet to date. There's 118 people here today, and so uh, that's exciting for us. You know, We love that. Um, not because we want to be able to go out in the community and brag about that. That means nothing. But we, we care about that because every one of those 118 people represent a soul that means something to God. And so we care about each one of the people here today because we want them to be connected with God, to know Him on an intimate um, level and to know what it feels like to be rescued and redeemed by his son Jesus. And so we're thankful for everybody that's here today. And I hope that you'll be able to sit back uh, and really understand God's truth and really feel God's grace this morning. That's our goal when you walk through the door, is for us to break away all the distractions and all the things that we hold you back and set you free so you can experience the real truth and grace of Jesus. And so I'm glad you're here today for the start of our brand new series, Foolproof. Anybody got anybody in their life like the people in that video that you might say, maybe not out loud, but you might say under your breath, they're kind of dumb? Are you allowed to say that? You're not allowed to say that you get like kicked out of school now if you say stuff like that to other kids, right? But you wouldn't say it to their face maybe, but like under your breath, you're kind of thinking like, I got some idiots in my life, right? Right? Anybody sitting beside one of them? No, don't, don't tell them it'll hurt their feelings. They may leave. We'll be down to like 98 people if you do that. So don't do that. But yeah, we all have those people, right? The people that just seem to rub us the wrong way, that just seem to like get under our skin. The people who just we look at them, we size them up, and we think to ourselves, what? A fool. What a fool. Right? And so this series is all about how to deal with those people, how to insulate your life from letting those people. Um, drag you down and, and um, um, give you a worse life experience than God designed you to have. A couple of weeks back, I want you guys to know this is the last week of summer. Fall is next week, and that doesn't make sense. See, that's what happens when you live in the south, right? They tell you fall's starting, and it was like, I saw 97 degrees this week on the uh, thermostat. So it's like, I don't think that's really fall, but we're going to call it fall anyhow. So this is our fall kickoff At some point, the weather will break, and it will be cooler. Around here, it almost kind of goes just from, like, like summer to winter. Like, there is no, like, uh, mild fall, it seems like. It's just, like, going to hit us real quick, and it'll be cold all of a sudden. But a couple weeks ago, I was outside. Well, I picked the kids up from school. I don't always do that, but I picked the kids up for school for whatever reason. Stephanie was busy doing something, so I picked the kids up after school. I took them home, but it was real hot out, and I had just uh, picked up our pressure washer, from uh, Big M, I was getting it fixed. There was something wrong with our pressure washer, and I'm not real good. I'm not. I'm not like the work on my car kind of guy. You know what I mean? I can work on the house, but I'm not really like the work on the car kind of guy. And so I had to take our pressure washer to Big M. It wasn't working, and Opie was like, "Oh, I think there's something wrong with the flux capacitor or something like that." And I was like, "Oh yeah, the flux capacitor." I didn't know what I was talking about. And, uh, for those of you who don't know, I used to sell cars and I was just like that when I was selling cars, guys would come on the lot and they'd be like, let me see under the hood. And I'd be like, all right. And I'd pop the hood and they'd be like, oh, I see there. It's a 4.0 liter fuel injected vehicle. I'm like, it is. You're right. Like, I don't know what they're talking about, you know, but that's how I thought about this pressure washer. And so I took it to big M. They're like, yeah, we can fix it. It was like nothing. Right? The guy like Fonzied it. He was like, and it started working, you know what I mean? And I felt like a fool. And so I bring the pressure washer home. So it's sitting in our garage. I would just gotten it home that day. And so I picked the kids up from school, bring them home. It's real hot out. And I thought maybe they'd like to get wet. So I said, hey, you guys want to let me spray you with the pressure washer, right? Okay. <laughs> I brought some pictures. These, I want you to know this is rare talent because I was taking the picture and spraying them at the same time. And it made me think of like a scene from a movie where you like get sent to prison and they're like delousing you, you know what I'm talking about? And they're like fire hosing you down in the cell. And you can't, and so like, and then eventually my kids were like, they got used to it. And this is the look. I want to show you this last picture where they were like, hit me, dad, hit me. They were just loving it. At first, I thought they were going to hate it, but they just loved it, and so they would just run around, and I'd just chase them with it and just, like, spraying them down with it. But I thought, man, there's some times in my life where I've had people, friends, family members, neighbors, right, church members, church members, where you'd like to just take them and give them a little bit of that treatment, right? You know what I'm talking about. Or maybe there's times in your life where you feel like people are giving you that kind of treatment. That the fools in your life are, like, hitting you with the hose, with the pressure washer, and it's all you can do just to, like, resist what they're doing to you. and be like, you're about to make me break. Stop spraying me. Stop treating me this way. Stop being such a fool, right? That's what this series is all about. Helping you to deal with those people, to overcome those people in your life so that they don't wreck All of your relationships. I read this quote this week. I want to share it with you. This will be on the screen. It said that your relationships will determine the direction and the quality of your life. Anybody think that's true? You ever find somebody that's just in like a super messed up relationship? Maybe you're the one in a super messed up relationship. And it totally determines the quality and the direction of your life. It becomes so overwhelming that you almost can't even enjoy even the good things in life anymore because you got this one messed up relationship that just seems to be like weighing you down, totally changing the direction and the quality of your life. That is so true. That's the point of this series, that your relationships will determine the direction and the quality of your life. But beyond that, we have to dig a little deeper to find out, like, I can't have a relationship with everybody. Some of you guys don't know how to say no to relationships, and some of you say no too much. Some of you say yes to relationships, but only to the wrong people. We want to set all that straight and send you out of here after five weeks healthy and ready to engage the world in excellent, wonderful, God-honoring relationships so that your life won't be weighed down by the one awful relationship, but it'll be set free. I read this sociological study this week that said the average person has between 500 and 2,500 relational interactions a year, depending on whether or not you're, you know, kind of antisocial or, or what's that word you use all the time, Kenny? Introvert. Oh yeah. Or if you're introverted or extroverted. So raise your hand if you're more like the 500 relational interactions a year. If you're more introvert, you're so introverted, you can't even raise your hand right? Like, or if, like raise your hand if you're more like the 2,500 relational um, interactions each year. You're more extroverted. You have more relationships. These aren't like, you know, uh, I checked out the grocery store and paid my cash. These are like people you actually had conversations with throughout the year. Anywhere between 500 and 2,500 of them on any given year. But that out of all of those, you spend almost half of your time With five people. Now, if you're here and you're married and you've got five kids, that means you're neglecting somebody, I guess, right? Because you can only spend time with five of them. But, like, if you look at your life, you have interactions with a lot of people, but you spend most of your time with a small crew. Usually your immediate family, maybe some coworkers, maybe some really close friends. And one of the problems that a lot of us get into is we try to have deep, meaningful relationships with everybody. Because we grew up in church and they told us, you know, love your neighbor. And so you're supposed to be outgoing and friendly and loving and engage everybody on a deep, intimate level in your life, no matter who they are or where you run into them, so you're driving down the road, and you're picking up stranger after stranger in your car. You're bringing, home, bringing them home to your introverted wife, who's like, why do you keep bringing people over to our house? And you keep filling up your house. And maybe you married somebody that's on the opposite end of that spectrum. And one of you is like, why don't we have those people over for dinner? And the other one's like, I don't want people in our house. I want to be left alone. It's why I moved to Kentucky, right? It's why I live in the forest. I don't want to hang out with people. I want to be by myself. And so you're like all these relational tensions because we don't actually know who we're supposed to be in relationship with, who we're supposed to get intimate with, who we're supposed to be connected with on a friend level. Jesus was the best example of all this. Over the next four weeks from today, we're going to study this out, look at some examples in Jesus' life. He spent time with all different kinds of people, and lots and lots of people wanted his time. But he practiced this principle where he was friendly to all, but friends only with a few. And that's a good principle for your life. Be friendly to all, but be friends only with a few. So how do you know who to be friends with? How do you know what to do? Let's set the record straight this morning. Look at this verse in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 12. It says, a prudent man, a prudent person, or a wise person, or a discerning person, or... A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton or the fool, the simpleton goes blindly on, suffers the consequences. You see what he's saying here? If you're going to be a wise person when making your decisions, you look down the road and you see what's coming and you can foresee or predict or see danger coming your way and you take some precautions. Precautions. You're the person that when the weatherman says the hurricane's going to hit Destin, Florida, is that where you guys were going? You cancel the trip. Or, can you stand up for a second? Or you're the kind of person, look, that's a good looking man right there. Or you're the kind of person when the weatherman says hurricane, it's category 19, about to hit Destin, Florida, you're like, whatever, Dad, we can make it. You're the kid in the pressure washer. I can take it, you know. And so, like, how are you going to make those decisions? Well, the wise person sees the danger coming and takes precautions. The foolish person, the simpleton, the Bible calls them, doesn't even see it. Or if they do see it, they just walk into into the storm as if it's not going to hurt them, as if they're the exception. And there's kind of three people in this room. You can tell me which one of these people you are. But there's some of you that approach your relationships or your decisions in relationships paranoid. And some of you approach your decisions or your relationships naive. But God doesn't want us to be paranoid or naive. He wants us to be what he calls discerning. So some people are paranoid. Some people are naive. Some people are discerning. Paranoid people, you're probably here right now. You think everybody's looking at you you might be you might be you might have a gun with you right cuz you think everybody's out to get you and in fact you're almost convinced there's going to be like an actor sh- active shooter situation today so every couple minutes you look back at the door you know what i mean like you're the paranoid person in the room nobody's trustworthy And you never really have any deep, meaningful relationships with anybody. Maybe you've been burned in the past. Maybe you just can't even remember, but you always seem to have been paranoid. But you think that nobody deserves your trust. And even after you get married, or even after you have kids, or even after you've spent 20 years with the same friends, you still don't really trust them. Because you're so paranoid, you think everybody is untrustworthy. And so your life is always a little empty. You never really experience the joy that God promises by connecting on a heart level with other people, with him. Nobody's trustworthy. Nobody deserves your trust. The other side of that is the naive people in the room. You trust everybody. I, I mean, you're more likely to get catfished because if they got one picture on Facebook, you think they're real, right? And so you're like, you're driving to look. Man, this is a good. I got a lot of Kenny stories about today's sermon. Where was that place you drive to met that girl? Louisville or Cincinnati or somewhere? That was before he was married, everybody. Kenny found this girl. <laughs> He's so embarrassed, man. All right, it's not about Kenny. It's about some guy no name, named Lenny, right? <laughs> he finds this girl on, like, eHarmony. <laughs> she has, like, one photo. It's, like, from here up. And he drives up to meet her, and then he gets there like she was not what she advertised. You're so, some of you are so naive, it's like you believe in it. You give your heart to everybody. I'm not calling Kenny naive, that was, but that was a good story for sure. But ask him for the details on that story after church. But you give your heart away all the time, and it seems to keep getting stomped on. And you can't figure out what's wrong. You think, like Luke Bryan, that most people are pretty good, right? Most people are basically good but that really isn't the truth either. And so you should guard your heart. You should be cautious of who you trust. Be friendly to all, but be friends only with a few. It sounds almost unchristian to say you should be treating some people different than others. Doesn't it? I thought we were supposed to treat everybody the same, but everybody's not the same. And so I just gotta tell you, if I don't know you, And you're like, hey, can I babysit your kids? No, you can't babysit my kids. I don't let strangers babysit my kids. Why? Because I'm not going to live naive. I'm going to live with some discernment. Everybody's not the same in my life. And so I treat people accordingly. If you don't think that's true, look at Titus chapter 3, verse 10. It says this. If people are causing divisions among you, give them a first and a second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them. Apparently there are some people that we're supposed to avoid, that we're supposed to keep our distance from. So how do we know which people we're supposed to trust and which people we're supposed to avoid and which people we're supposed to embrace? How do we know? So it took me in my Bible study this week to the wisest man, apart from Jesus, who ever lived on this earth in the Bible, King Solomon. If you were here earlier in the year for our series Kings and Cowards, we did a whole week just on Solomon's life, talked about some of his life. But he was considered to be the wisest man to ever live. And in the book he wrote, the book of Proverbs, he has a lot to say about being naive or being discerning, about being foolish or being wise. In the book, the book of Proverbs, he classifies all of humanity into three groups of people. They may not be exactly what you'd think if I asked you to classify everybody in the world into three groups. Here's the three groups. I'm going to give them to you. Ready? The first one is evil people evil people. The second one is foolish people, and the third one is wise people. You don't have to put those on the screen. You have it. Kenny, jumped the gun. It's like, I said Kenny's name 30 times today already. Foolish people, evil people, and wise people. Now, that isn't what everybody would say. I think if you asked a lot of people, they'd say maybe good and bad people, right? Or smart and stupid people. I don't know, but they'd have some two-person, classification, but I want to work you through these three types of people. There's a lot of legwork today, but I need you to understand this stuff if over the next four weeks we're going to gain some wisdom in how to protect ourselves against the fools in our lives. So let's look at what Solomon says. The first group of people he talks about is evil people. I would challenge you to read the book of Proverbs. If you read one chapter a day, you'll cover it in a month, Um, and so you could pick up a lot more that we're going to share this morning. But evil people, they love to hurt people. They love to control and inflict pain. Some of you think there aren't evil people. I want you to know there are evil people. And I hope if you have kids, you are raising them to know that they don't just trust everybody. And they don't just trust somebody because they're older either. You know, older people do a lot of nasty stuff to kids. Right? So just being older doesn't make you trustworthy you got to teach your kids that you will trust who I tell you to trust. Mommy and daddy are trustworthy, right? We'll tell you who's trustworthy and who's not. Don't just trust somebody because they say, get in my car. I don't care if they're older or not, right? Trust who we tell you to trust. But there are evil people in the world, people who would just love nothing more than to kill you or at a minimum to ruin your life, to drag you down to their level, evil people. I'm going to give you some qualities of evil people. We're just going to fly through these today. If you're a note taker, you'll have to hit it hard, hit it fast. Ready? Evil people, they are intentionally dangerous. Some of you are dating those people right now. Some of you have friends in your life that are those people right now. They are motivated by selfishness. They are lacking compassion. Henry Cloud, the author of one of the books we sell at the Three Source, it's out there during the series, I think. Um, called boundaries he writes that these are the kind of people that necessitate attorneys if it wasn't for these kind of people we probably wouldn't have to have lawyers because there are people out there that just won't stop hurting other people unless somebody makes them stop they're just evil they despise advice and instruction throughout proverbs really they don't care when you look at these three people, evil people, foolish people, and wise people, Solomon concludes there's really only one way to tell who's in which category. This is what makes it so tricky when you're deciding who to date or who to be friends with or what job to take or who to work for, right? There's only really one way, he says, to decide who's evil, who's foolish, and who's wise. It's by asking yourself the question, how do they handle advice, how do they handle instruction? If somebody corrects them or gives them a piece of advice, how do they deal with that advice? Well, evil people, they reject that advice. They despise you for even offering it because they don't care. They know they're not right. They know they're doing evil, but their whole world is about themselves. They don't care who they hurt along the way. I'm going to come back to them at the end and tell you what, what, what Solomon's directions are for us when dealing with that person, but we're not going to spend much time on them today because I want to really get to fools. But I just want to say that some of you are in relationships with evil people. They only care about themselves. They don't care if they hurt you. You are simply collateral damage to them getting what they want. So I want you to just stay tuned to the end and we'll give you some uh, help for that. And this is just something I came up with this week, but I want you to know that they aren't beyond help. They aren't beyond help. Nobody is beyond God's help, no matter how evil they are. They're not beyond help, but they might be beyond your help. You with me? Because you're not God. And some of you have like a crusader complex where you think it's your job to save the world. And really, it's God's job to save the world. And so they might not be beyond help, but they might be beyond your help. Their lives are actually, from the Bible controlled by demonic forces. We don't say that very often in our church, right? If you're brand new here, I hope that doesn't scare you away. Ah, We'll go all demon on you up front, right? But uh, James chapter 3, verse 15 says this. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition... There you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Some of you are surrounded in your lives by those kind of people. They're everywhere, even in church. Uh oh. I just want to read you a couple verses from Proverbs about that. Ready? Proverbs chapter 21, verse 10 says this Evil people desire evil, their neighbors get no mercy from them. I'm just reading you what God said, all right? I wish there weren't any evil people either. I'm just reading you what's there, okay? How about Proverbs chapter 24, verse starting in verse 1? Don't envy evil people or desire their company. For their hearts plot violence, and their words always stir up trouble. What's Solomon's advice about dealing with evil people? Get away from them. Get away from them. Maybe the best thing you can do for the people in your life like that... Or just get away from them and pray for them. But you don't have time to be in relationships with a bunch of evil people. Who are just using you to get what they want. And selfishly abusing you. Here's the second kind of people he says. Foolish people. He talks about them a lot in the book of Proverbs. Whereas evil people live by the power of demonic forces. Foolish people live by the power of the flesh. And all of us have acted foolishly. Anybody ever done something dumb? Yeah. If you don't have your hand up, that's your first dumb act. Congratulations, right? You've done something dumb now, right? We've all done dumb things. But fools aren't deliberately evil. They don't intentionally try to wreck your day. They don't even know they're wrecking your day. They won't listen to instruction or advice either. They reject it and ultimately despise you for it also, just like evil people do. But the difference is, evil people just don't care. Foolish people just don't comprehend. They don't even know they're acting foolishly. They think they're always right. Anybody got any of those in their life? They usually never stop talking, they always have an opinion about everything. No matter what you say, you're not going to change their mind because they're never wrong. They're a fool, the Bible says. They think that they are the exception to the rule. They hear advice from God's word, but they think to themselves, that won't apply to me. I know it's wiser to budget, but I can just spend whatever I want and I'll be okay. I know it's a good idea not to flirt with other people when I'm married, but I won't cross the line. They look at themselves as the exception to the rule. A lot of times, the foolish person is fun to hang around with. You know why? Because they don't even consider consequences. They're not even thinking about it. They think nothing bad could possibly happen to them. They're beyond all that. They're better than that. They're smarter than that. I could get away with that. So in middle school and high school, they're a lot of fun to hang around. They'll do almost anything. And then you marry them, and they're the same way. And you're kind of like, when we were dating, you were fun. But now you're just irresponsible. But they didn't even change. Right? You know the people I'm talking about. I worked with one of them back in Pennsylvania. His name was Brian. I'm not going to tell you his last name because I don't want to risk anybody ever telling him. I'm telling everybody this. But I worked with this guy named Brian. He would do anything for cash. You you know this guy I'm talking about? You're like, hey, man, take off all your clothes and run in traffic for a buck. And he'd do it. You know what I mean? anything. So one day we're at work. I worked with him. And I don't know how this happened, but somebody I was working with brought a taser with him to, to work. And so we were like, hey, Brian, why don't you let me tase you, man? I said, why don't you let me tase you? He was like, no way, man. I was like, come on, man, let me tase you. I'll give you 10 bucks." And he was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I was like, anybody else want to chip in? A couple other guys chipped in. We were up to 20 bucks." And Brian was like, okay, tase me. I was like, okay, so what are the, we got to like, lay out some ground rules. I like, Can I tase you on your heart? He was like, no. <laughs> tase me on my arm, he said. So we, we, he was like, uh, okay, so somebody had read something online about like Um, If you drink a bunch of milk before you get, anybody ever hear this? If you drink a bunch of milk before you get tased, you'll puke it up. You can't hold it down. So we were like, hey, man, I bet you can't hold your milk if we tase you. So he chugs like a carton of milk, and then we tase him on the arm, and it was like, you know, just the whole thing of milk just came out. But he would do anything for 20 bucks. He's a fool, right? That's foolish. Don't do anything. Think about some consequences, but you all know the people like that. We saw one of those last week. We were driving in Somerset and some teenager, no offense any of the teenagers in here, but some teenager was pulling out of a like the Burger King parking lot there and he just like was literally 1 inch from like whacking into somebody else driving by. He didn't even know it. He was driving like a fool but didn't even know he'd almost caused a wreck. He just drove on, didn't even know he got close to that person. Of course, if it was one of you, you'd have laid on the horn, right? Let him know. I'm going to let him know what he did, right? Abby's like, I'll let him know what he did to me. This little person didn't do anything. They just drove on. So he didn't even know he did it. So here's the characteristics of a fool. You ready? They are irresponsible. They make excuses. It's always somebody else's fault. They're blame shifters. They have an acute awareness of other people's faults. Anybody like this? Uh, It's getting like personal now. Some people are like, this could be me. I'm the fool. Oh, no. Right? They lack self-awareness. They deny reality. You you know the reality-denying fool? You know what I mean? The one that's like, we don't have any money. What are we going to do? Let's go buy a new truck. Where would that come from? What are you talking about? We can't pay the bills now. What do you mean let's buy a bigger house? I don't understand. They deny reality. It's like, well, I understand that's how it works for most people, but not for us, baby. They're reality deniers, right? They get on the scale. They can't see the numbers, but they don't think they got a problem. You're like, if you, I'm not even gonna go any further on that, but they know, don't even tell them. They know that don't deny reality. If you got a problem, deal with it. If something's true for other people it's probably true for you too don't be a reality denier they're minimizers they always give themselves just a little bit more grace than they give anybody else right and they're pretty defensive if you accuse them of doing something wrong or being wrong about something they tend to see the world as being full of good guys and bad guys of course they're always one of the good guys when they think about themselves They don't mean to bring chaos and trouble into your world, but they do because the consequences of their actions ripple out to everybody around them. They don't intend to wreck your day. They just don't even realize that they've wrecked your day. And if something goes wrong or they're facing some kind of unpleasant consequences in their lives, they just simply see themselves as misunderstood. If you just see things my way, then this wouldn't be so bad. I wonder how many of you are in a relationship with a fool? Or how many of you are in a relationship and you are the fool? How many of you are waiting for a fool to start doing the right thing until you'll be happy? How many of you are waiting for someone else to do for you what only God can do for you? You know, almost all of your heartache and disappointment in relationships can be traced back to that one idea? Wanting somebody else to do for you what only God can do for you? You get into this relationship and you have this expectation of like, hey, make me happy. Make me happy. Always be there for me. Never yell at me. Always give me grace. Always encourage me. Be my rock. And even the best person makes the worst Jesus. Are you asking somebody to do for you what only God can do for you? Stop waiting for a, a fool to change In order to make your life complete. That won't ever happen. You said, what do I do if I'm married to a fool? You hang in there because one of these weeks of this series, we're talking about that person. Ready? All I can do is fit in like one-fifth of it today. I'm sorry. But if you'll come back all five weeks, we're going to get to that. What do you do if you're the fool? We're going to get to that too. In fact, I think that's next week if you'll come back. What do you do when the person you love is the fool? We're going to get to all that in this series. But your life is too valuable to continue living like a victim. To continue living as if everything rises and falls on what this other person does. You're too valuable to God and to this world for you to live that way. God wants you to live in in victory, but you can't ever have victory until you fight the battle. This is your battle. This could be your battle. Like how to deal with foolish people. Let me read you just a couple verses about the fool. Proverbs 18, verse 2 says this. Fools have no interest in understanding. See, there's that principle again. How do you know which one they are? How do they handle advice or, or correction or wisdom from somebody else? They have no interest in understanding. They only want their, to air their own opinions. Look at Proverbs verse 1, chapter 1, verse 32. The simpletons, or the fools, turn away from wisdom, from me. Wisdom is speaking in this passage. To death, fools are destroyed by their own, what, complacency, laziness, apathy. Look at Proverbs chapter 26, verse 5. Be sure to answer the foolish arguments of fools, or they'll become wise in their own estimation. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, somebody's speaking foolishness, call them on it. We live in a non-confrontational society now. But when somebody's speaking foolishness, you gotta call them on it and tell them they're wrong. And they might hate you, but that's okay. That's on them. But we gotta call right, right, and wrong, wrong, or they're gonna think they're right all the time. We can't do that. Then you get to the third person he talks about, the wise people. Some of you right now are sitting there thinking, finally we get to me. Is that what you're thinking? If you're thinking that, you're not wise. You ready? Okay, so if you're thinking that, you're not the wise person. So here's the third person, the wise person. Notice there isn't the good person in Solomon's description of humanity. There's the evil person, the foolish person, and the wise person. But there is no good person because the Bible is very clear that there is no one good. That all of us are bad and desperately in need of help from the God of the universe. And so wise people live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wise people make a plan. Foolish people make excuses. Some of you are like, you're never coming back to this church now, are you? You're like, I I knew if I came here, you'd say all this stuff. My wife would hold it over my head. Don't do that to your husband if he's here. Wise people, they love wisdom. They love instruction. They love advice. Not only do they love it, they seek after it. They want your opinion. They want to be corrected when they're wrong. They want somebody to challenge them and stretch them and give them something brand new to try in their life that might work. They go after it hard. They're not necessarily the most intelligent people or the most educated people. What they are is the most surrendered people. And just so you know, like, fools aren't always stupid, the foolish people aren't always the least intelligent people, sometimes the foolish people are smart enough to act dumb enough to get you to take care of all their problems for them. Doesn't that say something about their intelligence? You want to write that one down. Whenever you're out on your first date, the next first date you have, you can ask them that if they're a fool or not. You can be like, I want you to know I'm not going to fall for your tricks. If you start acting dumb enough to try and get me to do all this stuff for you, I'm I'm not going to roll well with that. So here's the characteristics of wise people. You ready? They're motivated to grow, to mature. They're open to feedback. This is a good one here. They are assignment completers. I know completers is not a real word. You don't have to call me out on that after church. All right. They're assignment completers. They're not lazy. They're not procrastinating. They're not pushing the blame off on somebody else. They're getting the job done. They're willing and eager to change. Some of you know people that haven't changed for 20 years. They're accepting of correction. They're aware of their impact on the people around them. And they are people who own their own mistakes and sins. If you can't think of the last time you owned something you did wrong, there's a good chance you might be a fool. You ready? If you're correcting a wise person, you will connect with them. They will love you more. That's what the Bible says. Everybody has problems. Wise people have problems too. But they don't let their problems become patterns. They deal with them and change. Look at Proverbs 15, verse 31. If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. Proverbs 12, verse 15. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. So which one of these people are you? It's hard to answer, but the way to answer is to ask yourself, how do you handle advice? How do you handle correction? How do you handle instruction? You don't care? You embrace it like a wise person? You don't seem to comprehend it like a fool? You always think you're right? Which one of these people are you? I want you to commit today to make your relationships the relationships God would want you to have. So let me just kind of sum it up for you like this. The evil people in your life, run away, run, away, run away from them. You with me? The foolish people in your life, learn to keep them at arm's length. And the wise people in your life, learn to surround yourself with them. Look what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Psalm chapter 90, verse 12 says this. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. You with me? If they're evil, run away from them. If they're foolish, keep them at arm's length. And and if they're wise, cling to them. Why? Because you don't have enough time to be friends with all those people. Life is too short, and you don't have enough relational capacity to befriend 2,500 people. And so you've got to be friendly to all but friends with a few and surround yourself with wise people. Who will make you more wise? I just want to real quickly read through a couple more verses for you. There are literally hundreds of verses in the Bible about foolish people, wise people, evil people. But I just want to read you just a few more and then sum up for you what they're saying. You ready? Look at Ephesians. I don't know. Look at James 1, verses 5 and 6. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Proverbs 13, verse 20, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. In Proverbs chapter 9, starting in verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. Aren't you ready to stop suffering? Look, here's what all those verses are saying. I'm going to sum it up for you. It'll be on the screen. You ready? Don't waste your time. Waste no time. There isn't time to waste your life in relationships with evil people who are abusing you. Run. There isn't time to give all of your attention, all of your effort, all of your love to fools. Keep them at arm's length. Be friendly to them, but be friends with just a few. You don't have time to waste. Life is short. Don't look back and have wasted all the years God gave you to have meaningful relationships with wise people. Here's the second one. Invest time with wise people. That was in Proverbs 13, 20. If you walk with wise people, you yourself will become wise. Walk with wise people. Surround yourself with a half a dozen people who are listening to what God says and changing things about their life because they hear it. That's what wise people do. Here's the next one. Seek more wisdom from God. That was the James passage I read. If you feel like you lack wisdom, ask God for it. He gives it out willingly, liberally, he won't be angry at you for asking, ask God for wisdom. You with me so far? Stop wasting your time on evil people. Stop wasting all your energy on fools. Instead, invest time with wise people. Instead, ask God to make you more wise. And here's the last one, engage God intimately. That was the Proverbs passage I read at the end there. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear there means respect. Start respecting what God has to say. Knowledge of the Holy One will make you more wise. Get to know God on an intimate level. You think, I remember hearing this story about this guy sitting in a small group Bible study, and he was an introvert. He wouldn't hardly say anything. But every once in a while, he'd speak up. And every other guy in the group, when he would speak up, they'd all, like, pay attention. Because everything he said was like gold. And he was a farmer. It wasn't like he was some um, like Bible college student or a pastor or something. Just a guy who worked on his farm every day. But everything that came out of his mouth was like gold. And after the group one day, somebody asked the pastor, how does that guy know so much? And he said he just goes out into his field every day, sits on his, his tractor, and listens to the Bible on cassette. Cassette, that's like what we used to listen to, Maddox. I know you don't understand. But he used to listen to the Bible on cassette all day Every day, and pray and sing songs to God on his tractor at the top of his lungs because the tractor was so loud he couldn't even hear himself. He just got intimate with God every day, day after day. He started to get more wise. If you'll do those four things stop wasting your time, invest time with wise people, seek more wisdom from God, engage God intimately you will become wise. That's the promise. That's what God's offering you in relationships. You'll start to make wiser decisions. You'll start to find yourself in relationships that are meaningful and healthy. You'll stop being abused and victimized. You'll start living in victory in your relationships. I just want to tell you one story to close. It's a story from the Bible. I guess that's the pastor I me, I don't know. But Matthew chapter 7, there's this story Jesus tells where he looks around this huge crowd, and Jesus had a huge crowd around him often. And they were full, filled with all three of these people, evil people, foolish people, and wise people. You know what Jesus did? He almost never even engaged the evil people. One liner here, or one liner there. He didn't spend time with them. The fool's He pastored them. He gave them advice. He said, but it's on you now. It's on you. If you want to be wise, just do what I'm saying. I know you've heard it said one way your whole life. I know you think you know all the answers. But here's the truth, and if you'll try it, you'll be more wise. And then he had a few wise people around him. He spent lots of time with them. There's very few people in the Bible that say that the Bible says were Jesus' friends. But there was one family, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. It says Jesus would go to their house for um, meals, and he would spend the night with them, and he would talk with them, and just, he loved them. Even in his own closest disciples that followed him, the 12, he had all three of those people. You could see it. We're going to look at some of those examples over the next four weeks. He had the evil person, Judas. And nobody else in the group even knew Judas was evil until the last second. Because they're hard to spot. But the Bible says that he was evil from the beginning. He was evil all along. He was disguising himself in the crowd around Jesus. There was Peter who tended to stick his foot in his mouth a lot and say a lot of foolish things. And Jesus had some heart-to-hearts with him. said, hey man, if you want to change your ways, here's how you're going to have to do it. Peter, do you love me or not? Yeah, Lord, I love you. And then, here, man, you got to go out and feed my sheep. He had kind of a pastoral relationship with Peter. And then he was surrounded by a bunch of wise people, too. And he just invested in him. And his closest friend in that group of 12 was John. It says he loved him. Just loved him. They just loved spending time together. And Jesus was friendly to all, but friends with a few. Some of you need to go out of here today. And there's some evil people in your life. And you need to have the... Um, The final conversation right hey man I know we ran around when we were kids I know we've been together a long time but I just want you to know like I can't roll like that anymore I gotta get away I gotta get some space you know you know just having been your friend for a long time or just being in the same family as you doesn't mean they get like a, a, a reprieve on these principles you can have a fool in your family right you you can have been friends with an evil person for the last 20 years and so if there's some people in your life that you need to end the relationship you need to be like hey man i just i, I don't i love you but like i just can't run like that anymore cuz when i'm around you I, I do too much evil stuff and get some space between you and them and and then find some foolish people in your life and you need to be like hey man we got to have a talk some things are going to have to change I, I can't continue letting you drag me down like this. These are hard conversations we're going to teach through over the next four weeks. But I promise if you'll have them and stop trying to be everybody's friend and keep everybody happy, your life will get healthier. And so Jesus tells this story in Matthew chapter 7. This huge crowd is around him. It's full of all three of those people, evil people, foolish people, and wise people. And he says, I want you guys to know that not every single person who says they're a Christian Not every single person who calls me Lord will actually get into heaven. Only the people who hear what I say and embrace it will actually get into heaven. And then he said, let me give you an example. I want to give you an example of what that looks like in the real world so you can know. He says, it looks like this. There was a man who heard all of my teaching and decided to do everything I was saying, believe everything I was telling him, And embrace everything I wanted him to embrace. That man is a wise man. Like the kind of person that would build their house on a rock. And when the storms of life came, it wouldn't knock that house over. Because he had built his life on the foundation of wisdom. Wisdom being he heard direction from God and he was willing to change. He was willing to do what God said. He was willing to embrace what Jesus was telling him. That's the wise man. So there was another man, though. He heard all of my teachings. He heard everything I had to say, and he rejected it. He didn't put any of it into practice. He just let it go in one ear and out the other. That guy's a fool. Like the kind of person that would build their house on a beach with no solid foundation. And anytime a storm comes along, it would knock down the house and destroy it. So many of us are allowing relationship after relationship to knock our house down simply because we will not live wisely. We will not hear what God is saying and embrace it fully. No, 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 I can make everybody better. It's my job to make them a better person. No, 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 I can put up with the foolishness. I won't say anything because I want to keep the status quo. No, 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 I'm always right. You might be the fool. And over the course of this series, I want you to become the kind of person that builds their house on the rock of Jesus and no longer has to see their relationships be destroyed by every storm that comes their way, but instead will stand the test of time and you'll look back on your life and be like, I had a limited amount of time, but I invested it wisely and I built relationships into my life that made me a wiser person, that made me a happier person, that made me a more joyful person, That's what God wants for you. He doesn't want you to be weighed down, but he wants your life to be foolproof. He wants you to be able to stand up when the storms hit. That's how much he loves you. Maybe you've never heard anybody else tell you that until today, but I want you to know that God's plan for your life is not that relationship after relationship would devastate you. God's plan for your life is that you would experience a full and rich life connected relationship with him and with other people. That is how much he loves you. Don't doubt it. Don't dismiss it. Don't reject it. Don't despise it. Embrace it and believe it. And your life will be foolproof.